This is Paul McGann, the eighth doctor. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Go and throw yourself under a bus. I didn't mean to say that. He told me to say that. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 484 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where sometimes the best way to get to a person's value is to see what life is like when they're not around. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay. And this week we ponder a bit about the incoming returning showrunner Russell T. Davies' uh, recent mention of wanting to make the Doctor Who franchise more robust with possible spinoff series. With the property now involving the creative production of Bad Wolf Studios, as well as the BBC, and distribution benefiting from a lucrative partnership with Disney, chances are good we'll see the return of sibling programs by 2025, if not earlier. And the question is, what might those spinoff series be? Who would they be geared towards? And what would they really do to propel the Doctor Who franchise back to the heyday it saw in the late 2000s? We've come up with some show concepts that are more than just wishless. They have, in our opinion, something about them that could expand upon the Hooniverse to the benefit of the property and the viewers who support it. Note that this could uh, also take into account the method of distribution as well, such as our personal darling child, the web series. Uh, Particularly with Disney in the mix and kicking in large amounts of cash, we could see content that transcends broadcast and streaming platforms whatever serves the franchise best for today's consumers. So with that said, let's pitch some ideas. What I'd like to be able to do with this, and we talked offline uh, to make sure that we could really flesh these out, and to, to Haley's point about staying off the wish list kind of, kind of approach, is think about how these would really be grounded. What's the basic premise? Um, what would be the sort of the genre or the or the theme of that particular pitch? Um, what would be the target audience or audiences? Because it, it could span. And really, what would it bring to the franchise that differs from what you would get off the main range series? So, uh, Julie, you've got the sort of the top of the order. So you actually get first pass of this. All right. So hear me out. Companions. It is a mashup sort of of a Sarah Jane type adventure and a little bit of the last scene from the special that we saw. So the target audience would be adults and older teenagers. And then what I want to see happen and what this will accomplish is fleshing out the earthside activities of those who've sort of traveled with the doctor. But what do they do now? More of the day to day feel for how the different world and feel of things are for them. But from the perspective of someone who understands the universe and that aliens are commonplace. So interacting with 
quote, norms and also being from the background of having done some of that travel. But I want to see it specifically with dealing with situations that require multiples within the their group. So I want a phone tree or the older generation sort of sitting behind the desk. They've been trained in the computer stuff, calling in, giving them guidance or direction from the tech savvy perspective. And then the younger ones doing the runabout and figure out stuff on the ground, dealing with things that may or may not be happening. Maybe it's alien, maybe it's not sometimes, so that you get some of that twist on occasion. It doesn't have to be Monster of the Week, but you get interaction with people that we already care about, and that's what really would reach to the audiences and hopefully bring in some new viewers to go ahead and revisit what we've already seen in the past, like we've been doing with classic and earlier New Who era stuff. So what I'm pulling from this is that like uh, Sarah Jane, uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures, it gave us an opportunity to not only have established villains that were within the property or within the franchise, but also newly created ones. Um, but you would see it also to be somewhere along the line of a uh, a squad with a somewhat rotating cast of primary characters. So maybe at in one couple episode arc, it might use a uh, a Joe Grant and a Graham Walsh mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, Bradley Walsh. Um, but then another week, it might be uh, Ace back at her uh, at her HQ, yep. her offices, uh, getting on the line, talking to uh, younger. I'm not even going to put names on, but it, it could be it, Yasmin Khan. It could be. Yeah. And it gives you, it, it does open the door to allow for additional Maybe people we haven't seen actually traveling with the doctor, but have an experience with. So alternate timelines could come into play. There's so much you could play with because it's it's such an open world. It kind of goes along the feeling of if this is a world where the doctor exists and aliens are there, what else can we see? But keep it very companion focused. So we're not treading on the same Torchwood or Sarah Jane where it's just them by themselves dealing with it i want group effort i had a a similar idea that was more more geared towards i guess like webisodes where it's a small chunk where it wouldn't be like a full-blown 30-minute show or whatever but um yeah just seeing the companions because all of the companions we've seen after their tenure on the show have gotten into some uh, avenue of like trying to help people, whether it's reporting or working with unit or what, like they always look for those opportunities and it would make sense to be like, what are the small things that the doctor doesn't show up for that the companions are prepared to handle? And how does that kind of go? And, and it would be very easy to just be like, well, this is a story about Graham and this one's a story about Joe Grant and this, and you know, they don't mm. even have to intersect. It's just a chance to, to show the companions doing something past their run. So it's just kind of a after the TARDIS. And even if they're only five to eight minutes, it just shows that they've been their lives and their uh their scope has mm-hmm. been expanded mm-hmm. because of these opportunities and these brushes with uh things beyond their front door <laughs> or, or their their front planet Terry door. <laughs> and just aware of it. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. 
Who would be then the the target audiences for that then? Would you kind of gear it towards older fans to say, you know, your your favorites are still kicking around or I mean, how how would you kind of skew the writing? Who would you really be trying to to catch the attention of? I want to catch everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no seriously, okay. I think if you have the right thematic elements, I feel like you catch the older teens and adults, but then definitely you catch the adults and older generation for some of those throwback companions that are still dealing with this. Mm, okay. It seems like a good son concept to capture that chunk of the audience that for whatever reason doesn't like the current doctor or current doctor companion pairing or what, like there's always somebody, but if they've got, well, that companion you did like is on this other show right now. Mm -hmm. So this one's for you right now. And even if you don't catch that person every week, but they hear, oh, my companion was on this one episode, they're going to tune in for it. Right. I had a few thoughts. Uh, I was really trying to to put ones together that I thought would actually have legs to make it past a pilot or just a you know a handful of uh, starting episodes to see if the concept works. Uh, I wanted to find something that that I felt would have legs. And while I know that a lot of people have sort of bandied about the idea of having unit being a, a, a new, it, we've even done it, of saying that it should be kind of the Torchwood uh, done differently. It could be kind of a, a Torchwood meets NCIS or whatever, you know, you're, you're solving smaller scale problems using either some advanced tech or uh, similarly to Julie's uh, idea about just having a, a slightly wider perspective of where things can fit in, solving larger problems using uh, uh, unorthodox methods. But I don't know if that would really catch me personally. I don't know what that would actually bring to the franchise other than just really ticking a box for folks that that dig the unit characters and the whole idea of a, a sort of a pseudo black ops military premise and I, I don't know if the Hooniverse needs that necessarily because it's it pulls away from the uh brains over brawn kind of approach a bit or, or, or runs risk of it so i was thinking more about and i'm hesitant on this but i'm going to put it out here anyway because it's not really his his idea uh it's not russell's idea but division and the idea of using these time spies and that's something where just the intrigue of it and the and the idea of having to get dropped into situations and not be seen and and not leave a footprint and not ripple anything in the time stream can really make for some hardcore sci-fi and still be dramatic and compelling because of the espionage component and the only reason why I would say that that might not be 100% viable is because it's not Russell's concept. And he likes to take his concepts and really work them through because he knows them backwards, forwards, inside and out because it was his original idea. As much as I want to see Joe Martin all the time. Right. So demographic on that one would be skewed a little bit older. This would sort of pass the teens into the early 20s because it would be uh, high suspense, high stakes a um, little more adult because it would be risk situations. It doesn't have the room within it for the fun factor that would bring in younger viewers. I think they might 
there wouldn't be anything for them necessarily uh, to provide the the occasional silliness that Doctor Who revels in from time to time. But I just think it would be uh, pretty compelling, even if for a short-lived series. It's it, I I had the a similar thought of like we've gotten you know we we know about the fugitive Doctor we know or at least it's heavily implied. I'm not sure if it was confirmed that there, there were other iterations as well that did similar things. And so like, it would be very easy to just, again, and you could do like a, a, almost an anthology series where you didn't have to have a single star of the show. It's like, Oh, this is the doctor this time, or this is the doctor that time, or, you know, bounce them around and uh, almost kind of a, a, a season one of the Witcher kind of, throw it all in the mix and just let people sort the timelines out later. Oh, that's true. Although I found that pretty irritating for about the first three quarters of the Witcher season. I still don't know what went on. I'm still lost. <laughs> fair, fair. But it, it would fit with Doctor Who, though. It would. I, I would accept it there. So my uh, the concept that I came up with was kind of class meets Sarah Jane Adventure meets the Magic School Bus. Um, I, I foresaw this as being like part of the partnership with Disney plus you could have an animated series on Disney plus really targeting a younger audience, a gateway into doctor who, and because it's animated, you could get the doctor in as like a minute at the beginning or end of each episode to kind of set the adventure for a group of young, not quite companions to have some sort of interaction with aliens on earth or going to other planets, other times through some sort of shenanigans with the TARDIS, um, but having like their own side adventures that are younger kids doing safer, uh, less dangerous things with less scary aliens. Um, mm -hmm. And then probably some sort of adult to make it seem safer, who was not the doctor, just because I would assume the doctor would be unavailable to be in every episode of an animated series along running parallel to the main show. Um, but really looking to bring in the younger audience and then the parents of these new young Whovians as well, because the show's been back on the air for 17 years now. So there are a lot of second generation new Whovians now. That could be an excellent spot to take what was bandied about a while ago for, uh, for Georgia Tennant. And everybody wanting to know what was happening with Jenny, but then thinking, you know what, I don't know if, if she would want to do that uh, on screen and, and try and be that individual now. Just as we look at David and say, well, 14th Doctor doesn't really look that, you know, he, he's, he's got some miles on him that the 10th Doctor didn't really have. And, you know, we're putting 20 years on Georgia Tennant. She's not that nearly teenage looking individual anymore, but... When you hear her speak, she is still that. She could absolutely be the one that calls in to, you know, whatever this uh, this group is and tease them up uh, for, for wherever it is they're going or whenever they're going. And when they need science lessons, it comes from K-9. Yeah, you could really, uh, the advantage of the, of the voiceovers is that TV you can take projector. your talent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy will just pop in just because he does. Well, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? He's the he's the voice of the TARDIS by that point. Like, oh, the TARDIS earns a voice, and it's him. <laughs> oh no, the TARDIS doesn't need a voice, and it definitely doesn't need that one. <laughs> 
So I I had a few ideas, and uh, honestly, most of them have been touched on already. Uh, Yeah, like the uh, Kira, you mentioned uh, a a unit series that I think, if given the right spin, it could be interesting. Where it's less about the, uh, like you said, the the brains over brawn thing, um, and more just like it. I feel like it would be a great opportunity to give some of the villains more depth because if you if you take the doctor out of the mix then the focus tends to shift to the villain mm-hmm. and you can really kind of i mean a, a military style briefing would be a great opportunity to explain a little bit more about them or you know have much more in, uh you know stronger interactions that that make them a lot scarier because they're not facing off against the doctor mm-hmm. so it it could be an interesting one the the other idea I had was it, and this, I feel like this might be either the longest shot or the most certain, and I don't know which direction it would go. But <laughs> what about bringing back Torchwood, and not not like the original cast, and maybe like have Barum in there to kick off the 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 pilot episode? But did Torchwood just like? completely shut down was there another hub you know like you could be like this is the new crew that came on and you know tor uh barrowman has trained a new team and this is their adventures moving forward or something along those lines it's safe property to work within because it was never established how many hubs there were right Mm -hmm. only that there were many and they moved when they needed to Mm -hmm. and certain ones were destroyed but other ones were just unmentioned um, mm-hmm. I don't even know necessarily if you would need Barrowman in it because as much as he, he's synonymous with it, so is Eve Miles, so is Kyle, yeah. and any one of them could be there just as that little launch point. Mm-hmm. Or like season or episode three. Well, I think Eve Miles is the only one still alive. True. Also that. But with both of those ideas, Jay, I think one of the things that I think could be appealing if it were done either as a, a, a repertory piece or something like that, is that it could jump eras from season to season. Yeah. Because both Unit and Torchwood have allegedly been around for such a long period of time that you could have a, a, an entire season that's set in the 70s. You have an entire season that's set uh, just last year or, or what have you. Do you think like do it chronologically something like the the crown where you start off with the like something in the the fifties or something or in the sixties and and then just every season moves forward a decade or so yeah i i mean or or even completely keep it asynchronous so that yeah. you get things established with a with your modern day season and mm-hmm. then in the in a subsequent season you see some things that made that set the pins that that season rested on. And you get to see some of the origins for some of the the premise or practices that they that they have in place. Um, it, it's all much a matter of. I, I I think about what Russell is really keyed into right now, and the kind of things he's been writing and creating lately. And he's been so so focused on on larger and larger ensembles, um, and his casts have gotten far more intricate. And the people that he's hiring have been, uh, or that he's been casting have been coming from really larger ensemble pieces. I think that the, the nature of a lot of programming is, is shifting away from having just, you know, two to three individuals who are your, you know, your core stars and everybody else sort of sits in the B and C list. 
that's starting to be replaced by, you know, uh, A, B, C, and D plots within a single season where you've got a cast of 10 to 12 that you come to know and care about over the course of, you know, six to eight episodes. You know, I, I know we're going to be getting eight episodes per season uh, for the show proper. But if that's the, if that's where his creative processes are, are running at the moment is, is, is giving the audience this sort of a mobile to, to, to hold your interest. And if this story isn't really catching you at the moment, you give it about 12 minutes because the scene's going to shift and you're going to get your favorite characters up there again, doing something more daring do than mm-hmm. having either of those situations, a, a Torchwood kind of a group or some, uh, some squad within unit that gives you that many individuals that you can get invested in. So either one of those could work. Hmm. I don't, I noticed nobody's gone comedy. I don't know if there's any place for it. I was, th- I was like, racking. I, I assume my kids show would have jokes. <laughs> it could, it could have, it could have good jokes, but I wondered if they could, <laughs> cause the, the risk with, with straight comedy is that you cheapen the franchise, yeah. right? I don't think you can, I don't, I don't think you can do that. This isn't a show that has has that as part of I, its foundation. I, I think, think it's one of the reasons why the Paternoster Gang spinoff never happened. Yeah. yeah. I think as close as you could get to a straight up comedy would be something kind of in like the Stargate SG-1 vein, where it's really an action show, action adventure, and there's just a lot of comedy throughout because the characters mm. are cracking jokes or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like their stress response is make a joke or be sarcastic and it gets you a laugh to lighten the mood, but then they right. come really close to death in the next scene or something like that hmm. as they're running. It's true. So I went a different way with another idea that I had totally pinging off the Disney plus aspect of this targeting a children's audience Okay, because you pick up young kids age three, four, five, six, and parental units of those children. Mm-hmm. You get a soft and squishy baby villains animated cartoons. Oh. All soft round edges, all big anime eyes. I want to see it journey through animated shorts that are focused on the creativity and curiosity of the villains as they explore their world so you get the backstories from some of them. You're building little Doctor Who fans that understand they're villains oh, and boy. what you you don't like this all idea. i'm hearing right now is dalek babies they <laughs> do the same for you I, it's, see it, we already got a theme to oh, it. No. i'm seeing and a pacifier in place of the stock <laughs> yes right and then you also cybermen pick... that can't cross the room because they're just waddling and every once in a while they just <laughs> that's drop what over. i was going for which is actually so, horrifying because that means a baby got converted Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that gets dark. <laughs> we, we can't think about it too hard. <laughs> but I think that you have an amazing opportunity for merch, which is something that we've lost a lot of in the last few it's years. True. And I think that it brings in a young, so younger than Haley's audience, but still getting them to have the imagination for space travel, which is a show that we don't have for kids a lot. Hmm. because it's tougher to do but you could have scenes of space and again soft squishy spaceships that are rounded edges and fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah they've got like the the safety uh rubber on all the corners there on all the all the consoles they've been (laughs) yeah and and think also so you can introduce the doctor in those instances where they 
at some point do oh. a hug at the end, go on their separate ways. Nope, uh, nope. They have to do it just like Muppet Babies. So any adult you only see from the knee down. I'm okay with that too. <laughs> you can tell which doctor it is based on their footwear or the, the scarf dangling. And sometimes it's just the doctor picking them up, putting them back where they go. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I just think. All right, Davros, back in your crib. Never! <laughs> yeah, he's the most whiny of them oh. all. I, I know it's a super long shot, but I also think it would be adorable. And I would want a kid of mine to watch it, which okay. I think that's part of it has to go. Parental units also must buy into this. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but merch alone, you know, you had me at merch. Mm -hmm. yep. I was thinking about something for kids. I hadn't I hadn't chased the idea completely down um, because I didn't want my list to grow too large. But I was thinking about something that would be targeted towards slightly older. So I'd be going into in a primary school on this one for uh, for the Citadel and the 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 educational environment for young time lords. And I don't know what, what the premise would be, whether it would be taken as sort of as a, as a straight sort of youth drama or whether it would have kind of comedic aspects. I, would, I wouldn't go, obviously, slapstick with it, but just be a lighter fare. But something that has to do with these kids that have these uh, – they're hyper-intelligent, they're, they're gifted, talented, and, and uh, almost – superhumanly gifted in the fact that they're time lords and they have uh, certain traits and characteristics. Ooh, and we get to see the naming process of what, when is the moment where they get their name? So when did the doctor become the doctor? When does the master become the master? And some of the mm. other time lords that we've been introduced to just kind of one-offs, mm -hmm. but where do they come from? How did they get their names? Okay. I would like to see that. And then they don't get sent to detention. They get sent to the Great Schism and they have to stare into it for a yeah. while. Well, the master, because he's yeah. wherever they were when they were young, uh, is the jokester. <laughs> Somehow it's like the class see, clown, so always getting in trouble. The jester. <laughs> yeah. Now see, that that kind of reminds me of a, an idea that I had that I scrapped because I was like, this, there's no way this is ever actually going to get made. But um, I had the idea of like, Almost a, a sitcom style of like, what would happen if you had three or four different iterations of the master that were all roommates? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the, like, I think a few a few people have even recently said, "All right, we're we're in Disney Plus slash uh, Marvel land here. We can what if this? We could do a yeah. what if series and just play with ridiculous stuff on the fringes and just call it alternate timelines and." And and see what happens when you know when turn left becomes turn right and on and on. Oh. So I just had an idea. Instead of Doctor Who, I want Master What, and I just want a complete <laughs> everything from the history, but from the Master's perspective. <laughs> but it has to be Master Comma What. Master Master What. what? <laughs> I like it. Or you can just have no story time with Michelle Gomez. Yeah. Yes, please. She can read the phone Basically, book. she That's can all. read the scripts. That's yeah. fine. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's all I want. I will pay for a separate streaming service just for that. Yep. Like I, like I said, I didn't want to descend into into pot shot. Okay, but, yeah. grades, but we're here. Sorry. <laughs> I started it. It was bound I to happen. Apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. All right. But I'm, I'm sure that 
the listening audience uh, has, has phenomenal suggestions as well. And again, as long as you can sort of put them within that box of saying, no, this would actually work and it would work because it does this for the fans and does this for the franchise. If you can dovetail those and come up with a, a pitch that actually flies, then yeah, we'd love to hear about it because this is something where we've got a you know about a year or so before I fear we're going to start to hear about things getting floated or pilots right. being tried. So now's the time to hypothesize. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for what the the future of the show brings, whether it's just the one show or multiples. But I feel like we're in good hands. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, we are. Speaking, speaking of hands, speaking of hands, uh, in all the promotional shots, um, that, that have been floating around for the last day and a half, you can't actually see his hands, but his hands are part of the amazing announcement of the fact that, uh, a surprise, surprise, we know what our 15th doctor is going to look like. Like actually, what he gonna look like? Right. His his clothing, yeah. his facial hair, uh, and his companions' visage as well. I like them both. Yeah. I like what they've put together. I think it's very fresh, and they each have their own style, which I like. Yeah. Right. And it looks like uh, as long as I know that the um, uh, the. He's, Shooty's wearing a kind of a high-waisted tweed pants uh, under the the crop sweater that he's got. It's a sweater, by the way. Man, I don't know what's going to happen if they go to any like desert planets or anything. It's yeah. all cold. Hoof. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're quite well fitted in the dorsal posterior area because he's a very uh, cut and and fit individual, and. Uh, you better hope those things can uh, uh, can move well, or else he's gonna be popping seams. But you'll never know. They put a long coat on him, though. They do. Uh, well, that's a it's a great looking coat. Um, but yeah, yeah, so he uh, you don't see in the, in the the promo shots that dropped with it. But uh, there is also a video clip that got tweeted a couple hours after that, where the two of them were standing in the parking garage or something, and they're just kind of pointing their smartphone at each other and saying, "Yeah, yeah give us a turn. Let me see the look, whatever." And and then. Uh, and then Millie grabs the camera and points it at Shooty and he's, you know, spinning around looking and then he holds his hands out and he's decked out with all these rings that apparently all have significance. So we're going to be tinkering on that for a while. He's wearing two chains on a, with a pendant on each that, uh, that we'll have to take apart. I've got the closest photo I've seen. Don't really, they don't look like anything in particular. They just look like these little drop pendants, but everything has significance. So we'll find out about that. And in the video, he made some sort of a passing statement about tattoos, as if this iteration of the doctor does have them. Because I don't believe Shooty has any tattoos. I don't think. So, huh. I don't know. It's, it's exciting to see the outfit, though. And it's like, I, I don't know if it's one that I want to cosplay or just something that I want to take fashion tips from because it looks really good mm-hmm. it does it does yeah they both look fantastic um, and it brings a new palette to the doctor so that's good mm-hmm. it's going to stand out at conventions for oh sure. for sure yeah that that orange is not something that you're going to just breeze past unnoticed well and we haven't seen that color as the focus yet 
But there have no. been muted colors or suits and things. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're not just echoing previously done color palettes. Yeah, quite stylish. And he's yes. keeping the mustache. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see how that works. Too. Which I, I'm I'm on board with. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Enjoy all that. Um, start working on your cosplay because we'll expect to see both of uh, both of them represented in, in large quantities uh, at Galley in February. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure it can be done. Uh, yeah, and we're going to have some fun with it. The shoes, the freaking shoes are awesome. They're both wearing these killer boots uh, and his look fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'm big on the shoes. But anyway, I don't want to fixate on it anymore than <laughs> I already have You today. can buy, I've, you can get cosplay shoes if all you're wearing is the shoes. At least you're doing a little bit of cosplay, right? Yeah. Is that is that where you're going but for? But I work from home. So it was like, I'd just be like, <laughs> I'm wearing some great shoes today in my office. So yeah, but at your conventions, look. Put your feet up on the desk for all your Zoom calls. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, next time we're going to come back with our Sarah Jane rewatch. Uh, this one is the, the enemy of the Bane. Yeah. Bane callback to the pilot season one, right? That was the, yep. That was a bottle, uh, a bubble shock. Yep. It's the belly button. Yeah. What? The belly button is the enemy of the Bane. They created him with no belly button. Oh, wow. That was a reach. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. A little bit. Little bit. <laughs> well, this has been episode 484 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, listen, I just all river song all the time. Come on. <laughs> and this is Kira saying, I am going to start penning my Muppet Babies uh, reinterpretation theme song right about now. This is Julie saying, saved by the cloister bells. Bong. <laughs> and this Bong. is Haley saying, I'll take a web series that's just Missy and River getting into trouble the whole time. <laughs> and never getting out of it. <laughs> it's just compounding just trouble. Every, epi- every episode starts with them in adjacent cells. <laughs> and then instead of a cold open, you have a cold close where it just cuts off. Like yep. you don't get to know that's the next time. <laughs> All right, we will see you next time. I'm Ozzy. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.